While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. We've got, I think, a really good show for you uh, tonight. Uh, Tonight we're going to, as soon as we get the ruling from the Zoning Board of Appeals on the proposed methadone clinic in downtown New Bedford, I'll be able to bring that to you uh, live, what they decided. Um, Got someone at the meeting who's going to message me. Uh, the decision that they made. Um, so tried to get someone from the Zoning Board of Appeals, but the city, uh, you know, um, I think doesn't really want to comment on it publicly because uh, I think there's going to be, you know, no matter what happens, um, there's going to be some litigation afterwards. Uh, there's going to be a lawsuit filed. And, you know, the the, the outcome of that, you know, I, I can't tell you, but... They're going to gear up for some litigation on the uh, on the ZBA um, after the ZBA because I think the ZBA I think the ZBA is inclined to uh, deny this uh, special permit uh, for the methadone clinic downtown. The by the way five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get on the program this evening. The uh, and uh, at nine o'clock we're going to have Ben Burke uh, of um, of the uh, Providence's NPR, and he's going to t- uh, talk about a great story that he he wrote on um, local pol- uh, some local politicians uh, having some spirited discourse over what's going to happen at the state pier. It's a really good story, and you know, we ta- talk a little bit about the fate, uh, the potential fate of the state pier, uh, with how that's going to affect uh, ferry service to the vineyard in, in Nantucket. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to Ben joining us at uh, at nine o'clock. Throughout the show, I'm taking your calls at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. That's you can get the program. Also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. So um, the methadone clinic. So for those of you who don't know, um, there is a big, uh, you know, a big uh, sort of head funds treatment uh, company called uh, RCA. And they've proposed a methadone clinic uh, downtown right on Union Street, uh, right on Union Street and um, the um, right where Fall River Palm Brokers is, right? So I believe that's right over by 7th Street. Um, so the corner of Union and 7th where Fall River Pawn Brokers is. Across from actually from my old office, where the Justice Bridge Legal Center is, where uh, young, uh, you know, uh, fresh out of law school attorneys, um, you know, start their practice uh, for uh, that that graduate from UMass Law. So there's a proposal to put it there. Um, there is that is 
and I think the consensus is from at least all the elected officials is that like, yeah, of course, methadone, sir, uh, the administration of methadone to, um, you know, the population that needs it is a vital service, especially in a city like New Bedford that's afflicted by drug addiction. However, you know, I've talked to some experts in, in, uh, treatment in, um, in, uh, in drug treatment, uh, and addiction. And, uh, what they've said is downtown isn't one that, that, um, methadone, like access to methadone is not currently an issue at hand in the city, right? There's about two to 3000 people apparently in the city that are, um, that take methadone and that they're able to meet that demand right now. So it's not even necessarily a demand in the city. So two, uh, that downtown is probably not an ideal location for a methadone clinic in a in a business district like that, and this is again from uh, from I've heard this from experts in the field in in in, in drug treatment and uh, addiction. So the entire city council, the mayor, have all stood in unison to oppose the um the efforts for of, of RCA to put a methadone clinic next to. A uh, next to a um uh, uh the Fall River Pawn Brokers the pawn shop uh, downtown uh, but there's nothing they can singularly do about uh, about it because it is uh, subject to the approval of the zoning board of appeals the zoning board of appeals makes decisions unilaterally so uh. They're going to make the decisions on this. I, I know most of the people on that board. Um, I think they're all pretty smart people, uh, just knowing them personally. A couple of them I actually went to law school with. Uh, and um, I think they'll probably come to a conclusion that's similar uh, to, this is just guessing. No one's told me. No one's telegraphed what their decision's going to be, just to be clear. Not a single member of that board has telegraphed their decision uh, to me or has, or has told me ahead of time what their decision's going to be. But I anticipate that they're going to, to deny the special permit for the methadone clinic, and then that will go to, um, that will then lead to uh, some litigation on behalf of RCA to get this put in. You know, there's a lot of discussion around this because... There is some discussion about whether or not Fall River uh, or people um, with influence from from Fall River have uh, lobbied um, for or have lobbied for this to this methadone clinic to arrive in New Bedford because there is a proposed methadone clinic in Fall River over by the star clinic and uh that has been fought tooth and nail by a lot of people in fall river and perhaps make putting this methadone clinic here would fulfill some type of required need um by state law there was an added discussion there wasn't there was some added discussion to this debate when the city council approved a residency waiver 
for someone to operate a business, the Fall River uh, Pawnbrokers business, operate the Fall River Pawnbrokers business um, that is from Fall River, in fact, uh, and the city council had passed that uh, waiver, I think, unanimously. It got sent back. I um it got sent back to um it got uh, so the mayor tried to veto the residency waiver um the city council attorney had basically said you can't veto the what residency waiver uh so the city had basically uh voted to put that uh, resident uh put that veto on file now the mayor was upset about this because he thought that there should have been some added discussion to there should have been some added discussion to the um to whether or not to permit uh, or allow the the residency waiver for this pawnbrokers uh this uh this individual to operate fall over pawnbrokers right to give him the business license it seemed like I think the argument he was making, and he, I think he spelled it out to the council beforehand, or even in the even in the letter, that you have an opportunity, you have leverage in this discussion on whether or not the methadone clinic can happen. And actually, I think that honestly, to hope put to you know, what I think is, it might have been a good opportunity to put that waiver on hold and say. Well, listen, I think having a drug treatment, uh, a drug addiction treatment facility next to a pawn shop is necessarily is is sort of a, 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 a could present itself as a predatory venture. Right. Those two things are a treatment center next to a, a an addiction treatment center next to a pawn shop seems like two things that are diametrically opposed in their purpose and that um, certainly for addict, uh, people who are, who are struggling with addiction so that perhaps maybe they needed to, to put that to put they could have tabled the residency waiver and then revisited it. That was the discussion that the mayor wanted to have. Now, city councilor had called the mayor. City councilor Gomes had called the mayor. They had a public spat about it. I know uh, Ian Abreu had his comments on it saying, hey, listen, you know, we, we saw this, is this person, you know, is this person a candidate, uh, a typical candidate that we would give a residency waiver for to operate a business? Does he have the credentials? Does he have a clean, you know, a clean record and all of that? And all that, all that came up, you know, all that pointed towards them approving the waiver and they didn't want to deny a uh, residency waiver on the basis of a methadone clinic that might happen. Right. And that makes sense. I, I, I think that's, I think that's a perfectly valid uh, reasoning. I just think there was probably an opportunity to maybe you went from having some leverage to no leverage and, you know, maybe could because the residency waivers, they have carte blanche over those, the city council. So they could have done something about it. Now, 
I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think here's what I think is going to happen tonight. I'm sorry, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen for sure, but I think the Zoning Board of Appeals is going to deny the cities uh, that don't going to deny the special permit and then litigation is going to follow. And whether or not that litigation is successful, uh, I'm not sure. Um, but they seem to want a methadone clinic there. And uh, they think it's a good spot for it, but the city does not think it's a good spot for it. Again, I've talked to people in the actual profession of uh, of addiction treatment and counseling, and they have told me that, in fact, this methadone clinic would not meet a need because the the, the demand for people uh, receiving methadone in New Bedford has been fulfilled. There's two methadone clinics, I believe, but that need is being fulfilled, and it's uh, I think by two to three thousand people in the city that uh, are receiving uh, that are, are are getting methadone are able to get it. And two, uh, in the middle of their business district is probably not the best place uh, for the methadone clinic for a few reasons. Uh, You know, one of which being there's probably people who are, you know, taking methadone that um, would not necessarily want to be. And I'm not saying you should be ashamed of it, but there are probably some people that don't want their business out there. Uh, who don't necessarily want their the a meth, uh, you know to go to a methadone clinic that is in a business district and out there right on one of the busiest probably one of the I would say one of the top two or three busiest streets in the city uh, Union Street right going all the way down uh, into the into downtown so that's basically the. Um, but the methadone clinic situation in a nutshell, uh, again, we're going to get an update. We are. Huh. Um, I am going uh, to get an update uh, on that. Uh, f- as soon as we get the ruling, I'll get a I, I will get an update on that. And then I'll bring it right to you guys. And uh, we'll also take your calls, take your reactions on it at 508-996-0500. Again, we have Ben Burke from uh, from the uh, uh, Providence's NPR, Publix Radio. Uh, they're going, he's, he had a great story today on the, it was, uh, I think he published it yesterday. I got it last night. It's out today. But... It's on the basically the few uh, the uh, some local politicians having some differences of opinion on how the um, the future of the state pier should be decided. Um, there's he gets you know he you get quotes directly from uh, Bill Strauss and Mark Montigny and uh, Mayor Mitchell. So uh, it's a good story. He's going to come on at nine. I'm going to have him in the studio here, and we're going to talk about it. We did have Mayor Mitchell on yesterday. I wish I knew. I wish I'd known about the story at the time. I could have. Um, I could have uh, asked Mayor Mitchell about it. Um, but I think we had a lot of good discussion on 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 other stuff uh, anyway. So five zero eight nine nine six. 0500 is how you can get in the program. We're also taking your messages on the WBSM uh, app chat 
And you know what I'll do now is I'll, I'll take a break, uh, and then when we get back, um, we'll talk about some other uh, some other some other goings on. And uh, this is South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus, and uh, this is the commercial break. Welcome back. I'm Marcus. This is South Coast Tonight. We're taking your calls at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program this evening. There's a lot going on in city government actually today. I kind of wish, honestly, that these, you know, I don't want to be a complainer. I think it would have been better if probably these meetings were scheduled on separate days uh, and not the same day. Um, But... I'm not going to crow about it, uh, but there is a city council meetings, one on a proposed cannabis uh, commission, uh, a pro- uh, proposed cannabis location on one Nosset Street, which is in Ward 3, by the way, got the dates on the special election for Ward 3, so we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so... Basically, uh, there's one on New Bedford adjusting uh, retirees' cost of living base. That's in the Finance Committee. And uh, there's a proposal for um, a new cannabis place on 1 Nosset Street. That's been in the works for quite a while, actually. 508-996-0500. Hopefully, New Bedford um, can get to um, finally get a marijuana facility in the city. Good evening. Hey, Marcus, how are you? Good. What's up, Barry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calling in on cannabis, your local pothead. Not. <laughs> um, hey, Marcus, uh, I just wanted to congratulate you on um, on Heroes uh, um, candidacy, the whole campaign, the way that you guys conducted the uh, the debate was incredibly awesome, fair Thanks. and balanced down the middle, and. I was taught a long time ago. This goes back to, do you remember when um, Biff's nephew, Bobby Foster, he uh, he ran against, I think, Strauss at the time? Do you remember that? I No, I, I, I don't think so. so. I was probably yeah, just a kid. I, yeah, probably just a kid, I know. But anyways, this is Father Time coming in with history. <laughs> so I was taught uh, by Biff that, so he, Biffy, had us go to, to um, when Bobby lost, we went to the other candidates. Uh, party or victory or whatever it was, what do you, you know, the headquarters, and um, we all congratulated uh, the victor. Yeah, and it's it's kind of what you stand for. I was taught that, Marcus. I must have been in my twenties, but um, 
it's it's all part of us being a community. Sure. Uh, I was taught that by Senator McLean, and uh, I just wanted to congratulate you um, on on the way that you guys conducted it. Thanks. The information was uh, was was fair and balanced, and uh, and just congratulations, Marcus, on the job that you do. I appreciate that. Thank you, Barry. You too. Yeah. That, so okay. So a couple things actually, just on that. Um, speaking of concessions, uh, one. Um, so, uh, when I talked to DA Tim Cruz, uh, Chris and I talked to DA Tim Cruz, was it Monday? Um, and I wrote up, I put out a column on it. Uh, DA Cruz said he hadn't received a concession call, uh, from, from Rasan Hall, the challenger who Rasan Hall and, and DA Cruz are here for a debate. If you'll remember on October 31st, it was, I think it was pretty good, but, um, Rasan's camp reached out to me and said, uh, they had actually, uh, the, the, uh, reached out to DA Cruz for a concession call, um, but uh, I think there it's, it must have gotten lost in translation. Um, they uh, gave me timestamps and stuff. It must have gotten lost in translation, but I just wanted to uh, correct the record on that. It seems like there was miscommunication, perhaps, between, between the camps. Not something I really want to get in the middle of, but just something I wanted to uh, address, um, uh, address uh, specifically, because... Um, uh, you know, I thought Brisson was a good guy, and I think making concessions and, and contacting your opponent after afterwards is is the is the right thing to do. You know, actually, uh, I think McCarthy told me when he ran for state rep against Bob Cazera, what was that like the mid early nineties or something like that? Um, after he lost, he went to the election party and shook his hand. So uh, that's always good to do. Uh, that's always good to do. Make a concession call. Um, I think it's it's a good way to move forward. Uh, I don't know how much that happens anymore. I think it still does happen locally. Um, I don't know how much it happens in um, in uh, in national politics, though. So five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get in the program. Yeah. So there's two city council meetings tonight. There is the special. Um, there is the uh, there sorry there's the meeting on cannabis uh the meeting on the cannabis uh, uh the cannabis commission basically trying to get a um put through approve a uh cannabis facility on 1 Nosset Street in New Bedford and uh again that's been a long that's been a big work in progress and there's also the finance committee meeting to see if uh you know that's I think will be a robust debate on whether or not uh, retirees should uh, have a raise in their cost of living adjustment and what the impacts of that are going to be. So um, I think the city councils are in for a pretty long night, uh, all things considered. Again, kind of wish those meetings that weren't with the CBA, because I'm sure you'd want the city councilors at the ZBA hearing, right, to give an update on on uh or not to give an update to advocate for their constituents and i'm sure they would have been there had this meeting had these meetings not been scheduled like this uh it seems like a lot to have in one day again i'm not going to be a grouch about it i just uh guess it doesn't matter so um anyway Speaking, uh, we'll keep it local. We'll keep it pretty local for 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 the uh, for the first hour at least, um, and for however long you want. I'm going to take your calls at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. But um, speaking of 
the uh, um, you know just local goings on. I have a column on WBSM.com. You can check it out. But basically, I you know when I talked to I talked to when I had Mayor Mitchell on yesterday, we had talked a bit about the the special election Ward Three, and uh, you know Hugh Dunn's resignation in Ward Three, and what you know what he wants to you know what he wants to see in a in a city council uh, in a city councilor uh, to succeed Hugh Dunn, and he off air he just mentioned offhandedly that he you know they'd had. Um, They'd had a preliminary date set for for January 24th. And I'm like, oh, really? So I followed up on it uh, because I wanted to get that information and get it out there as soon as possible. Because I think it's important to let the – because I noticed it was such a quick turnaround, right? January 24th. So I thought it was important to get that information out there so people who are in Ward 3 that are considering running know how quick of a turnaround it is from the time that you pull papers and get 50 signatures and submit that to the time that you people are casting ballots in your name. So basically, um, January 24th. I, so I followed up with mayor Mitchell's office, um, the station. Then we followed up with, uh, with, um, the elections commissioner, Manny DeBrito, uh, separately. And, um, got, we have complete comments from, from both the mayor's office, uh, via the mayor's spokesperson, Holly Huntoon, and from uh, and from Elections Commissioner DeBrito as well. And that's on WBSM.com if you want to look at the complete story. But basically the, uh, the dates for the Ward 3, and this is important if you live in Ward 3 and you want to run, the Ward 3 City Council election is a quick turnaround because you're going to have to, you're going to pull papers sometime in the first week of December, this is according to Mitchell's uh, spokesperson, um, Holly uh, Huntoon. You're gonna pull. You're gonna pull papers sometime in the um, first week of the special uh, of, of of December. So that means you're gonna pull out nomination papers. You're gonna sign your name. So as soon as you pull papers, people know that you've done it. You can't seek. You know. You can't sneakily pull papers and think. Oh, I'll just drop the signatures on. You pull papers, you get to sign them out. So we'll know who's who's pulled papers for Ward 3. But um, you pull papers, you get 50 signatures. Obviously, you need more than 50 signatures because not every signature that you have in the first 50 would be likely be verified. So, you know, probably 75 to 100 signatures is probably better. But uh, you get 50 signatures. You submit the uh, signature papers, and those get verified. So when you do that, you've got to hit the ground running because January 24th is the preliminary election date. So that means if there are two more than two people in the special election, I have to imagine there's going to be more than two people. If there's more than two people in the special election, then there's going to be a preliminary date that's going to cut it down to two people. And then those two people are going to face off in the general election and, you know, fight for the remaining percentage of those votes. 
I mean, when we ran that special election back in 2017, I think I've talked about this before with uh, with with Hugh Dunn. We got uh, 50, 53% of the vote in a six-way primary or preliminary, 53% of the vote. So kind of knew it was over. Uh, kind of knew it was over at the preliminary because we already got most of the voters in a six-way primary. But still hit the ground running, you know, still, still knocked doors, still put signs out, still... Uh, handed out lit um, and did direct mail. And then he got 69% of the vote, I think. And then got 73% of the vote the next go around uh, when he was ran for reelection in 2019 uh, with an opponent. So, um, you know, it was a particularly strong showing. But after, you know, when the, uh, so February 28th is the general, February 28th is the general election date. So preliminary date is January 24th, general election date is february 28th now then you're gonna you're gonna you you if if that person gets whoever gets elected is going to serve out the remainder of Councilor dunn's term but that means if you want to do beyond that if you want another term you're going to have to run for election that fall in november so you're doing basically these two elections and then you get to turn around and do a third election so it's a lot it's a quick turnaround too you're gonna have to raise i think a significant amount of money because you're going to have to raise a lot of money fast uh, in like a month, basically, or less than a month, because you're going to need to start, you know, doing direct mails, hitting doors, all that stuff, doing all that stuff. And then in a month, it's a lot. It's a it's a quick turnaround. It's a really quick turnaround. You're going to need to raise a lot of money quickly, very quickly, in order to get your name out there in, a, in an effective way. You're going to need to mobilize very quickly. It's going to have to be someone who knows what they're doing. For sure. It's definitely someone who knows what they're doing, who knows how to campaign, I think, that's going to be able to do that. And then after the preliminary, there's the general election, general special election on February 28th. And then, again, you're probably going to have to raise money again. You know, you're probably going to have to knock doors in, in the summer, right? You're going to have to knock doors and do all that, and you have to canvas and do all that stuff in the summer. Because you're running for re-election in the fall. And again, there might be a preliminary. People might jump in again. So you might have a preliminary in like whatever it is, September, October. Probably September, right? I think this, I think the prelims are in September. And then you have a general election in November. So people are running for their seat. You got to know. You're doing four elections in one year. Four elections. Prelim, general, and the special. Prelim, general, and the in the uh, in the fall so it's i think it could be an arduous task but if you're enthusiastic if you want to do it um you know god bless you so we're going to take a break we'll be right back 1420 wbsm can now be heard on 99.5 fm the voices in the night that cover the news of the day i heard the voices too chris mccarthy and marcus farrow more of south coast tonight happens now on wbsm candidate are you looking for uh, that you hope would run or not candidate you're looking for what kind of city councilor do you think are you looking for to fill that seat well uh what i would say uh, about ward three is what i'd say about any ward and that is you know ward counselor has to be responsive right you, it's it can be a lot of work you get lots of calls from constituents and people want to know what's going on they want their their interests vindicated right they want sure you know, they want stuff done and so the 
uh, it turns out that the ward councilors tend to have more interaction with the administration on constituent related issues, right? Sure. Because, you know, the, the proverbial pothole type of issues, right? Yeah. So you need someone who's willing to put that, that time in. Yeah. Um, but of course, the council um, weighs in on far more complex issues than just uh, potholes and constituent calls, right? Yeah. So as, as important as those are. So, you know, when it comes to municipal finance, when it comes to ensuring that the city is you know, financially stable and growing and that um, we have policies in place that enable us to, you know, to deliver the services that our residents are entitled to, you need someone who does their homework, right? And that uh, that means... That means you got to commit the time, right? We're reading the materials that the administration submits to the city council every two weeks or something new. Um, not um, and 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 when it comes time to make decisions about policy, um, not necessarily gravitating in the direction of the person who's hollering the loudest, but just yeah. really sitting back and thinking things through, getting uh, opinions from from both sides, and then. You know, exercising you know your best judgment. That's and that, at the end of the day, that's 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 all you can do. So, so um, that was that was Mayor Mitchell's comments on who, you know, what type of city councilor is best to fill that role in every role. I think Hugh actually filled that role well. Um, but now to look looking forward, uh, we you know you have to look at somebody. I think that has a policy background right that has a policy background uh, again that uh, and that you believe will respond to the constituent you know slash pothole issues but it's not it's more than you know the saving you know like uh you know pulling your cat out of a tree it's 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 complex policy discussions on you know municipal issues so uh you know we're not hearing a lot you know in, in the column you can you know, Manny, uh, Manny DeBrito, the elections commissioner, uh, mentions that uh, there have been people that have uh, come in or contacted the elections office to express interest in the in the Ward 3 special election. But um, that doesn't mean, you know, you can call it. Anybody, anybody can call or show up to the elections office. Uh, and he, he, he acknowledges that, too. Anybody can call and show up to the elections office. Doesn't mean you're going to pull papers, you know, submit your signatures and run. So I talked to a couple of people. Uh, I, you know, I'd seen, I'd saw Lisa Lemieux when I was uh, uh, covering a Paul Haro rally, actually, when I was covering that um, the Sunday before the election in New Bedford, where Kim Driscoll came down and all that. And I just, you know, I'd asked her, I was like, are you, are you going to run? And she basically said, you know, she was going to, she didn't commit to anything. It was you know, a day or two after he would announce his resignation here on South Coast Nights, that she wasn't going to commit to anything, but she'd do her due diligence. Now, I think Lisa would be considered a very formidable candidate if she did jump in because, you know, she one, she's, uh, she, you know, she's a Democratic State Committee woman. She's the president of the Labor Council. She uh, knows policy. She'll have organizational support, right? She'll know how to run a campaign. And uh, she'll have, um, you know, a lot of union labor support and all of that. She'll have, I think, an infrastructure to run a really strong campaign. So I think she's a formidable uh, challenger if she decides to pull paper. She lives in Ward 3. I spoke with Robert Bromley today. 
So Robert Bromley is a longtime uh, member of the Veterans Advisory Board here in the um, uh, in the city in New Bedford. He is uh, he was the former curator curator of the veterans of the uh, not veterans the Fort Tabor Fort Ro- uh, Fort Rodman uh, Military uh, Museum and uh, still a member of the so- the association. And uh, he also organized the Veterans Day Parade. So uh, works in the Rhode Island State Senate as a as a fi- uh, financial analyst. So um, you know he I think would be a pretty strong candidate too. So those two uh, those are the two candidates I've actually had a chance to talk to. You know all the other candidates um, that didn't win the last election uh, that didn't win the um, the last uh, special election that ran second behind Hugh. Um, they haven't expressed any public interest. Um, those are just, you know, basically I heard rumors, so I reached out um, to, you know, two people. Uh, I haven't heard anybody else declare publicly that they're, they're that that they're going to that they're going to run. So, um, you know, you have Beth Photo who finished second in the uh, or finished uh, second in the preliminary and then second to Hugh Dunn. Uh, you had uh, Guy Larocque, the trial attorney. Uh, Kathy Diener and Mark Sajak, former city councilors, and you had uh, Republican state committee woman and former school committee member Jill Usach. So uh, that's the field. Um, that was six years ago. A lot can happen in six years. I didn't even know Chris McCarthy in six years. I'd never stepped foot in the studio six years ago. Um, so, well, I did actually because I had to. We had to buy hats, <laughs> but um, but still. So a lot can happen in six years just because someone ran back then doesn't mean they'll run now. But if they do, they at least have, I think, generated some name ID. All right, got to take a break. I just wanted to mention something. Uh, so you might have noticed that uh, City Hall, New Bedford City Hall, the Elm Street Garage, and the Braga Bridge in Fall River are all uh, lit up in purple in uh, to for World Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Day. A lot of that has to do uh, with the great work of uh, local resident Brock Cadero. So I did want to mention that. Um, and I, I noticed that Charlie Baker and Karen Polito are both spotting, sporting some type of purple in their wardrobe as well. So um, Brock Cadero uh, organized that for World uh, Pancreatic Cancer Awareness uh, uh, Day, which is today, November 17th. So props to... Um, Props to Brock, and uh, I think it's a it's obviously a very important uh, cause. So, um, all right, stay tuned in the stay tuned in the uh, for the next hour, and give us a call. <laughs> 